You are now tuned in to the Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe? The following podcast is a production of the network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. Welcome to the Herd and Ten Podcast. Here's your host, Jake Fritinsky. Episode of the Third and Ten Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Fortinsky. You can find me on Twitter at NFL. You can also check us out on our dedicated Twitter and Facebook accounts at Herd and Ten. Check those out. Send us a message if you have an opinion on the episode, if there's something that you want us to talk about next episode. Please, again, if you send me a message on Twitter or if you message either of our dedicated accounts, we will definitely get back to you because we want to hear your opinions. We want to talk bills. So, again, feel free to do so. In this episode, I want to talk about a couple things. One, we have an exciting guest coming on in the second segment of this show, and that's Greg Tomset from Cover One. Greg is an incredibly knowledgeable Bills fan and professional sports analyst. I think that's what I would call him because his focus is on really analyzing the team, mainly more specific when you're talking about numbers regarding salary cap situations, stuff like that. Um, So to have a guy like him, To have a guy who's that knowledgeable on our show is just really incredible. And I think and I hope that that you all appreciate that we're able to get on such quality guests and you'll continue to listen every week because we're going to have other awesome guests on um, in later episodes, too. So we got a lot of cool stuff lined up. But to get right into this episode, I want to talk about the Bills W from this past weekend. Big win for the Bills. I don't think it was a surprising win, but it was nice to have a convincing win. Now, they didn't crush the New York Jets. And I said this on the podcast last week. I didn't think they were going to crush the Jets. I predicted 24 to 10. And I don't think I was that far off, right? We won 27 to 17. And, you know, it wasn't uh, a huge, you know, uh, slaughter of the Jets. They they did put up a fight. Now, for the most part, the Bills pretty much had the game in hand. Never really had it in doubt, but like they always do, they definitely made it interesting near the end, and they really didn't solidify the win, in my opinion, which is why the Jets were able to kind of hang in there. The Bills went up 21-3 to after the first half, and they got pretty quiet in the second half. Now, granted, the rookie kicker, Tyler Bass, struggled. I think there's some question marks as to whether his first field goal was in or out, Um, but it was called a miss field goal. And even if it was potentially in, it's since it was over the post, over the upright, it cannot be reviewed. So for any of those of you who are wondering why that kick wasn't reviewed, given how close it was, that's why. It's not allowed to be challenged or reviewed if it goes over one of the posts. Now, seeing the replay and and after the game, I watched it a couple more times. To me, it was pretty clear that it was in um, and that it went over the post after the fact, after it had already crossed through the uprights. But again, I'm not the ref. And unfortunately, they made their call and they said it was out and it can't be reviewed. So... A little frustrating there, especially because it was Tyler Bass's first kick 
in an NFL game of his career, and he hit it, but it was called a miss. So regardless, he missed that. He then later missed another field goal. So he didn't look great, um, but I also understand that it's his first game, and I think that they're going to stick by him, at least for the next couple weeks. If we see another very poor performance this upcoming week, then yeah, maybe they could look at bringing someone else in. I want to note for any of you who watched the late Monday night game with the Tennessee Titans versus the Denver Broncos, you may have seen that Steven Goskowski, who I should mention is or has been one of the best kickers in the NFL, actually missed three field goals and an extra point. Granted, he had a serious hip injury and only joined the Titans, I believe it was 10 or 11 days prior to their Monday night game. He obviously needs some practice, but I think that it's good to know that, that the Bills are not the only team that had some struggles this week, and they won't be the only team moving forward. And, you know, hopefully Bass improves, but I don't think we should jump the gun here. I don't think we should immediately want to get rid of Bass and say, you know, we made a mistake with Hauschka. You know, letting him go was a huge mistake. And I'm not going to say that yet. And, I, and I've said in previous episodes, I was fine with the move. And I still trust management. And I have faith that Bass is going to be better. He's been so good in practice. He was so good in training camp. There's a reason they chose him. There's a reason they drafted him. And if it takes a little time for him to improve, if it takes him a little time to get comfortable and into the professional NFL groove, then I will deal with that. Thankfully, it was in a game that it didn't matter. The Bills were winning by enough, and the Bills played well enough that even with those missed field goals, it didn't matter. But yeah, you don't want to see missed field goals like that, at, at least not down the stretch when the Bills are going to have a lot tougher matchups, and they're going to be fighting for a playoff spot. And we know this. Every win matters. It doesn't matter who it's against. It doesn't matter how you win. You just need to win. So you just don't want to see your kicker costing you games. Thankfully, that wasn't the case this week. But I really thought that it was worthwhile to mention. And I think that that's something, at least that's been on my mind. And I'm sure it's been on a lot of our listeners' minds. And I don't think Bass is going anywhere. But if he continues down this route, then yes, he could be gone. If he continues to kick poorly, yes, he only has so much of a leash. It's only so long. And if the Bills need to let him go, then they need to let him go. So moving on, Bills had a good win. I just want to note a few stats here. Josh Allen, 33 for 46 with a just under 72% completion rate. Boy, that sounds nice. That is a nice completion rate. That doesn't sound like an inaccurate quarterback to me. He also threw two touchdowns, and he ran for a touchdown, and ran for 57 yards. I like that. I like that stat line. He also passed for 312 yards. Career high. He's never eclipsed 300 yards. He finally did it, and it's only the first week of the season. And I understand a lot of you are going to say, well, it's against the New York Jets. They have a terrible secondary. And that's true. The Jets aren't very good. They do have a poor secondary. But that doesn't mean it's not impressive to throw for over 300 yards and combine for three touchdowns and have zero interceptions. Yes, I know Josh Allen had two fumbles. And he lost both of them. Or the Bills lost both of those. I know that, and that's a problem, but he had a hell of a game. He had a great game. I think it would be very, very difficult to argue that he didn't have a great game. Did he miss some receivers? Yes. Would I love to see him not miss John Brown in the end zone when he's wide open? Yes, but it's not as easy as of a throw as many of you think. I talk a little bit about that in the chat that I have 
with Greg and you'll hear that shortly. So I'm not going to get too deep into that, but I just at least wanted to note Josh Allen's stats. I also think it's worth noting the running. The run game was weak. Now the Bills didn't hand it off a whole lot. Devin Singletary had nine carries. Zach Moss had nine carries. It's not a lot, but we know the Jets' strength of their defense is on their defensive line. It's their run defense. So I get why we would pass like crazy on them. I get why Josh Allen would throw for 46 times. I get all of that. And I'm okay with it. Honestly, the fact that Josh Allen was our leading rusher is not a concern to me. Devin Singletary produced just 30 yards. Zach Moss just produced only 11 yards. Now, he did get a touchdown catch, which was excellent. It was nice to see that. And we'll see this week. I think this week is going to be a very different team offensively for the Bills. I think that they're going to play very differently because the Dolphins are a very different defense than the Jets. They have a strong secondary and a weak line. So I would expect to see something quite different. I think we're going to see a lot more running and a lot less passing. Again, that's something Greg and I talk about, but I just at least again wanted to note that we're going to see something different this week. For the Jets, I think we'll all be happy to know that they were not very good. Offensively speaking, I mean defensively as well, but offensively, Sam Darnold went 21 for 35, 215 yards passing, one touchdown, one to interception, one rush for six yards. Not a good game. Especially if they were losing and had plenty of opportunities in junk time to gain some yardage. So, Sam Darnold, X in my book. Josh Allen, checkmark in my book. I would say Josh Allen won that battle. Now, the Bills are a much better team than the Jets, and they've surrounded Josh Allen with a lot more pieces, and they're much more talented, and specifically on the defense. And then, of course, the offense is also better than the Jets, and I get all of that. But it doesn't matter. Josh Allen played a better game than Sam Darnold. And there were a lot of analysts that were saying that that Sam Darnold's more complete and blah, 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 blah. I don't care about any of that. What I care about is a W. Josh Allen got the win. Sam Darnold got the loss. That's what matters. Now, I don't want to see Josh Allen play terribly in the Bills for to win. But to see Josh Allen play well and the Bills to win, to me, is a... Josh Allen playing well on top of it is a cherry on top. I mean, I want to see him play well, but really, we want those W's. It doesn't really matter how we get them. So, I think that's all I really want to talk about for this week. I'll mention also, the Bills had a lot of injuries on linebacker. They lost four linebackers in the first game. And I'm not surprised. I think we're going to see a lot more injuries. Unfortunately, going from 0 to 100 is not easy. And what I mean by that is... The players not having preseason, having a very weird training camp, and then playing week one and going all out. There's going to be more injuries. There's going to be hamstring pulls, which we saw. There's going to be Tremaine Edmonds hurting his shoulder because of a tackle. And that happens, but it's more likely to happen when they're kind of coming in cold. So the good news is Matt Milano, Tremaine Edmonds appear to be okay. They're day-to-day. And those are really the most important injuries to look at. They're the most important ones to follow. Because if we miss either of them for a long period of time, the Bills' defense would be in big trouble. I think A.J. Klein is fine. He looked okay. But, I mean, no one's going to ignore that the second Matt Milano left the game, they burned A.J. Klein. So... Other teams know that when Milano's not there, you can attack the linebacking core. When Tremaine Edmonds is there, you can attack the linebacking core. So it's important that both of those guys are healthy. It sounds like they're going to be fine. It said that they're day-to-day. Um, and we got to just take that and hold, or, yeah, hold on to the fact that they're hopefully going to play. Now, 
looking into this upcoming week, I want to take a look at some of the stats that we saw from the Dolphins game in week one against the Patriots. Because I think that there's some things that we can take from there, especially because there are some similarities between Cam Newton on the Patriots and Josh Allen. So the Patriots won 21-11. Now, let's start with the obvious one. Like I mentioned, Cam Newton, very similar player to Josh Allen. Cam Newton ran it a ton. He ran for, I believe, 75 yards. Let me pull that up. Yeah, he rushed 15 times for 75 yards and two rushing touchdowns. Those are incredible stats. And I want to see Josh Allen do the exact same thing. I think there's this idea that we don't want Josh Allen to run a lot. We want him to be a pocket passer. I get that. But sometimes you have to go with what the matchup is telling you to go with. And this matchup is screaming for Josh Allen to run all over the Dolphins, just like it did for Cam Newton. And it worked. New England Patriots won pretty easily, and Cam Newton ran pretty easily on that defense. Now, it should be noted, he only threw it 19 times for 155 yards. So, didn't throw much, ran a lot. I think that we might see something very similar. Now, it could be we're not going to run as much with Josh Allen. We're not going to carry the ball 15 times. But we could easily see Devin Singletary and Zach Moss getting a lot more carries than they got last week. 18 carries between the two of them is very low. I think that we could be in the upwards of 30 carries this week. I think that we could be seeing something in that range. Each of them getting in the mid-teens or one of them taking the lead and getting 20-something touches and the other one in the you know, low single to low double digits. So I do think that that's definitely possible that we could see the Bills over 30 carries just for their running backs and Josh Allen's passing stats coming down significantly that he's not going to throw 46 times. He may throw somewhere in the range of maybe not as maybe not maybe not in the in the high double digits, you know, like an 18 19, maybe not in the teens, but I could see him being somewhere in the maybe low mid 20s up to maybe the low 30s. I don't see him having to throw it 46 times unless we somehow have a terrible start to the game and go down by a lot. But assuming we're going to be controlling this game, I could see us running it a lot and Josh Allen keeping his throws to a, a minimum. Now, I also want to talk about the Dolphins' offense because that tells us another story, what the Bills need to do. You look at Ryan Fitzpatrick, threw 30 times, only completed 20 of them, 191 yards, no touchdowns, and more importantly, three interceptions. That to me is good old Fitzy. That is Fitzpatrick, not Fitzmagic. That's a player that is well past his prime. He's always been a gunslinger. Generally speaking, he can start the season quite well. He'll have a few good games and then he kind of slips. Some of his luck starts to burn off. But it seems like he's started the season in a rough patch already. And that was against a Patriots defense that is, I would say, similar to the Bills, in, you know, talent-wise, except... Given some of their opt-outs, I mean, I think that there's some that would argue that the Bills' defense is actually quite a bit better. So if Ryan Fitzpatrick struggled against the Patriots' defense, he's probably going to struggle against the Bills' defense. That's a great sign. But it also means you might see the Dolphins trying to run more, maybe playing a little conservatively given Fitzpatrick's lack of accuracy and consistency. They might try to avoid getting into a situation where he's throwing three-plus interceptions. Maybe they don't want to get into that type of situation. So I think what we're going to expect is we're going to expect Fitzpatrick to struggle. 
just like he did against the Patriots. And I think we might see the Dolphins try to run on us, which I don't think will work well either, but it might be a little bit safer. They may try to play a game where they're sort of just hanging in there. They don't want to cough up the ball. They don't want to do any pick sixes. But, you know, maybe if they can have maybe not a three and out, but maybe they can get a couple first downs by running and at least they're not giving the ball up in bad field position and then they can punt and try to just play a tight, low-scoring game and, and try to have a solid game defensively. But like I said, with their, I would say, weak run defense, I think the Bills are going to probably have no problem winning this game. I think that they're going to be able to handle this game. And I think Josh Allen's going to really allow his running backs to take control of this game. He's not going to need to play hero ball. I, I don't think, at least. Now, I want to talk about or I want to do my two segments that I said I'm going to do every week now. Weekly wins and lazy losses. So for weekly wins, we're going to talk about a few different things the Bills need to do to win their matchup against the Dolphins in week two. So here is weekly wins. Josh Allen needs to trust his running backs. If we're going to run RPOs, Run pass options, for those of you who don't know, basically provides Josh Allen the option to either run or pass or, I mean, hand off the ball, right? A read option. We'll, we'll call it the read option because most of the time he hasn't really passed on them. But on read options, you have him handing it off to the running back and either allowing the running back to then take that ball and run or pulling it back out of the running back's arms and running himself. Now, on those scenarios, we saw that Josh Allen, for the most part, was pulling the ball out of the running back's arms and running himself. Now, I think I'd like to see him trust the running backs a little more and let them take it. I get that sometimes he sees something and, and he feels like he can take it off, take off and run, and it worked. But if it were up to me, I'd like him to run a little less, even with those read options. I get that it's an option, but I would like to see him balance that a little more, really let Zach Moss and Devin Singletary get going. I think that if you can get them going early, I think the Bills will have a very good chance to take a early lead and really hold on to that lead. The next thing, the Bills need to avoid turnovers. The way you lose to teams that are inferior is turnovers. That's how games get out of hand. That's how surprises happen. That's how you blow a game that you should win. If Josh Allen finds ways to fumble again, that is how you lose games. So you really, really need to avoid turnovers. You need to keep the turnovers to a minimum and win the turnover differential. But at the very least, don't turn the ball over. When you're, in, when you're playing a team that is inferior to you, you must not make crucial mistakes that could potentially change the momentum. Especially when you're walking into a game. And walking into this game, I would say the Bills already have the momentum. They're coming off a win. They're clearly the better team. They're much more talented. You don't want to give the inferior team anything that could possibly get them going. So keep those turnovers to a minimum. The final item, the Bills defense. They need to come out of this game healthy. I'm not saying bench your players like any of your talented players and let them rest. But it would be very nice for the Bills to play a good quality defensive game and avoid any injuries. We didn't see that in week one. We saw a lot of Bills players going down. Now, most of them have appeared to be minor, but it's not a good way to start. You don't want your players banged up. Not if you have plans to go to the playoffs and potentially win a few games in the playoffs or at least one game in the playoffs. You're going to need your players to be healthy. So, I think that the Bills really, really need to ensure that their players get out safely. And if that means a guy gets a little banged up and the team wants to be extra cautious and hold him out for the rest of the game, I wouldn't be opposed to that. For example, if Matt Milano 
or Tremaine Edmonds, who are already banged up, came come and play this week and are okay, but you know, uh, pull their hamstring a little or um, you know re-injure their shoulder and they're not feeling a hundred percent, the Bills should just hold them out for the rest of the game, let them rest it off, try to let them get better for next week. Don't leave them out there. This, to me, is not a matchup that you're going to need all your star players playing at their absolute best for you to win. You have to play a good game, and I say this all the time. Every team you play is going to be good. But if you think that there's a chance that they could re-injure something or make something significantly worse, this is not the game that you should be pushing them through it. A playoff game, yes. A game late in the season where you need to win to make the playoffs, yes. But not week two against the Miami Dolphins. That's not the game you want to be pushing these guys through. So avoid serious injuries. And if a guy re-injures something, take him out. Don't force him to play. Let him rest. Now for the next segment, we have lazy losses. In this segment, I want to talk about ways the Bills would lose this game. And in a lot of cases, it's generally opposite of what I just discussed. But I like to look at maybe different things. I think that we need to look at Trey White. If Trey White doesn't have a good game. Now, I know that the Dolphins' top receiver in Devontae Parker is hurt. I don't think it's clear if he's playing or not. But if he's playing... He's a talented receiver. He can burn most cornerbacks. So if Trey White plays poorly, the Bills could lose this game. I think that although I said Fitzpatrick probably is going to be a little more conservative and not not based on his decision, but based on the coaching staff's decision, even if he is more conservative, if Trey White doesn't have a great game and Devontae Parker is able to burn him a few times, there's no question Fitzpatrick can hit receivers. He's a solid NFL quarterback. Now, he's past his prime, and he's not the same guy he once was. And he is a gunslinger, so he's going to make mistakes. But if his receivers get open, he'll hit them. So if Devontae Parker can beat Trey White and, you know, maybe even produce like a 50, 60-yard touchdown from Fitzpatrick, which we've seen on many occasions, I think the Bills could lose this game. I also think it comes down to the lines. If the Bills' defensive line can't get enough pressure on Fitzpatrick and the Dolphins' running backs, the Dolphins will have some opportunities offensively to do some damage. They have some talent on the offense. And if the Bills' D is not on their top game, and more specifically their defensive line, if they can't get pressure, Fitzpatrick is good if there isn't pressure. He's a good quarterback without pressure. If they can't get pressure... They're going to beat us. We need to be able to get pressure, just like we did last week. I said the same thing last week. They needed to get pressure on Darnold to win. They need to get pressure on Ryan Fitzpatrick to win. If they don't, I think they could lose this game. Now, if Stefan Diggs doesn't eat this game, doesn't do well, doesn't get fed the ball, the Bills could lose the game. Now, I said the Bills are going to be focused on running. And I still think that. But there has to be some balance. There has to still be some consistency in the passing game. If Allen can't find his targets, and I should include all of the targets, Gabe Davis, John Brown, Cole Beasley, Dawson Knox, whoever else is going to be out there. Those are all important. But really, Stefan Diggs needs to continue to get the ball on a regular basis. He needs to continue to take the top off on offenses. Uh, on defenses and force their cornerbacks to play a little further back. Let them give cushion to him. Make them afraid that he can burn them over top. Make them afraid that he can catch a 40-yard bomb and run it for a touchdown for another 30 yards. That's what we need to do. And if Diggs isn't fed the ball or Allen just you know is not on the same page and is throwing it to him but he's missing him, the Bills could lose this game. So those are the two segments that I think really break down what the Bills need to do and what they need to not do um, to win or lose this game. And I think that that at least covers this week's matchup. I don't want to jump to in a few weeks from now. I like to focus week by week. So 
The Bills got a great win against the Jets. They need to show up against the Dolphins. This is not an easy matchup. And I don't think any matchup is easy. It's easier than others. There's going to be harder matchups down the road. I think this is good practice for the Bills. But this is certainly not an easy matchup. The Dolphins are definitely more talented than the Jets. And I think they're, they're going to put up a fight. But I do think the Bills will win. I do think the Bills will win this game. I think it's going to be closer than people think. But I don't think it's going to be close. I think the Bills are going to win 28-17. to 17. There you go. I didn't even think about that prediction. I just said it just like that. 28-17. That sounds reasonable. I think they'll get probably two to three running touchdowns, maybe a touchdown receiving something in that range, but they're going to give up some points too. I think 17 points is realistic. I do think the Bills' defense is better than the Patriots, and although the Patriots only gave up 11 points to the Dolphins, I do think the Bills will give up a little more, more specifically because our linebackers are a little banged up. And even if they play, they're probably not 100% healthy. Tremaine Edmonds is probably not going to be 100% healthy. And Matt Milano, Matt Milano is not going to be 100% healthy. And that means that they're going to make some errors. They're going to get beat a little bit. I think that we're going to be tested a little more in this game than we were against the Jets. And look, who knows? Maybe... We'll see Tua Tangavaloa. I talked about it with with Greg, but you know he doesn't think that he's coming in for a while. But I think it's possible if Fitzpatrick plays horribly. You never know. Look, I don't think it's realistic. I think they're going to wait to bring in Tua at a better point in the season. But if Fitzpatrick plays terribly and throws multiple interceptions in the first half, we could definitely see them bringing in Tua. So I hope that you all like that episode. And, well, I guess the episode's not done because we have Greg Tomset coming after this break. So, please, you know, if you have any questions, if you have any comments, again, message me on Twitter at NFL or at HerdAnd10 on Facebook or on Twitter. Happy to answer your questions. I'm happy to talk bills. I love being challenged and agreed with. But I hope you like this segment and we're just going to take a quick break and then my interview with Greg will be played. So I hope you all enjoy that. I think Greg brings a lot to the table. So please stick around, listen to the break, you know, listen to the commercial. I would really appreciate it. And more importantly, come back because Greg is going to be talking with me in just a couple of minutes. Thank you and have a great weekend and have a good quick break because I'll see you in a moment. Bill's season is here, but tailgates will have to wait. But there is a new way to connect with your Bill's Mafia and other sports fans. Let me tell you about this new app called Playing the Field. Playing the Field is a dating and community app made exclusively for sports fans. By playing the field, you can connect with sports fans for any reason you want. Want to find a friend that won't ask questions when you say you need a table? Someone to go to a game with or just grab a few beers and wings? Need an extra player for your weekly hockey game? Playing the field also helps you find your MVP by offering a dating app that removes the inconvenience of having to scroll through multiple profiles just to find a sports fan. Playing the Field is available on the web at playthefielddating.com and will have iOS and Android versions later this season. Playing the Field is founded by a member of the Bills Mafia, so you will also be supporting one of your own. Please take a look at our show notes for more information on Playing the Field and their podcast, The Fan Experience. Welcome back to the Herd and Ten podcast. And as mentioned before, we have an exciting guest, Greg Tomset from Cover One. 
He is a host of the Cover One Buffalo Bills podcast. I believe he also does some writing for Cover One. So if there's anyone that's ever come on this show that knows a ton, it is Greg. He knows everything about the Bills, and I'm excited to have him here. I think this is a great thing, and it's it's great for me to be able to talk to someone who knows as much as he does. So, Greg, I'll let you sort of give a plug in and say what else you want to say about uh, about yourself to our listeners. Yeah, you're you're very kind, Jake. I appreciate that. I certainly enjoy the bills a lot and put in far more time than than what's appropriate into researching and studying and watching film and everything we do. But that that's really what we're all about. So if you're interested in taking the complex parts of football and about the bills and learning a little bit more, uh, come on over to CoverOne.net. I, I do a lot with the contract and roster construction and CBA language and helping explaining how things work within the rules. Um, Eric is an amazing film breakdown guy and can explain scheme and X's and O's and everything that we do. Um, Aaron does an awesome job. We have an entire draft team, everything going on there. You can find them uh, all at CoverOne.net or on the CoverOne app. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Greg Thompson, G-R-E-G-T-O-M-P-S-E-T-T. Always having fun with Bills fans and looking to have some fun today. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, yeah, so if any of our listeners are looking for really detailed breakdowns, really understanding a little bit of the more you know, intricate parts of the game, yeah, definitely you got to check out Greg and in general go to CoverOne.net. So, Greg, I want to just start off by talking a little bit about what we saw in last week's game against the New York Jets. Firstly, more so your biggest takeaways from the Bills-Jets game. Um, so I'm going to say my biggest takeaway was the variability on offense and the fact that, you know, they opened up for you. Heck, we, we, we deactivated Lee Smith. Um, they went with, uh, you know, tight ends on the field very infrequently. We had three receivers on there, all but three snaps of the game. And 28% of the time we had four wide receivers on the field. Um, that's just not something we're used to in Buffalo. That, that's not something that we see where there was a ton of up tempo, no huddle, but it was kind of that, that hurry up and wait no huddle where they get up to the line, take a look at what was there, keep the Jets trapped in their um, defensive alignment, and then call the play from there, communicating with Dable in, in Allen's ear. Um, so that was probably my biggest takeaway was just the offensive variability and the fact that it's going to be a matchup-driven offense uh, to take advantage of whatever they think the biggest weakness is on that defense. Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. And it's it's nice to see in Allen's third year that he's able to actually read defenses a little better. I know at least um, on some of the plays, and I believe it was even potentially the touchdown play to John Brown, he read that there was a blitz coming. He adjusted. He called an audible. And he just did a quick screen, essentially, to John Brown. So I feel like that's something that, hopefully we're going to see moving forward, which is Allen getting a little more control of this offense and more so actually making adjustments at the line, which I don't think we saw a lot of. Obviously, there's also some more hard counts involved, but more importantly, he's using that hard count to really either draw the defense or more importantly, just see what they're actually doing and giving him a chance to really read that and, and make adjustments accordingly. I thought that was a great point because you actually saw that several times where the one time it was actually a free play where he took the free shot down the sideline to John Brown when he got him to jump off sides and still got the snap off. But other times it was simply knowing where the blitzer was coming from. And that's just as valuable. Yeah, for sure. Because I know at least at the beginning, obviously a big challenge for Allen was really not only some of his concerning decision-making, but more so understanding other defenses. So I think at least in week one, we've seen a significant improvement in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, just a better understanding of the offense as a whole. And I guess the other thing I want to talk about, which is obviously you talk about the biggest takeaways, but if you do have any concerns coming from that game. Now, of course, we had a very successful game, and I know some of our listeners and I think some other Bills fans have maybe had some other concerns or maybe they felt like it wasn't as clean of a game as it could be. I personally thought it was a relatively successful game and is particularly from Josh Allen, but I wanted to get your take on if you had any concerns moving forward. 
Um, hey, sure. I mean, you know, for Josh specifically, you can't put the ball on the carpet twice. You know, you, you can't fumble uh, and, and give the ball up. I'm excited about him as a runner. I'm not one of those people pounding the table to have him no longer, you know, call have called runs or a big part of the running game. That's part of his value. That's crazy to take that away. Um, I thought it was maybe a little more than I would have liked to have seen. 14 carries is a bit much. It's actually 12. They count the two kneel downs as carries. But um, 12 or 14, that's that's more than I'd like. I'd like that to be more in the 5 to 7 range um, where he's still a threat. He, you still have to worry about him. But we have... Brandon Bean's worked hard to get playmakers around him for a reason. I'd rather they get the ball uh, a little more often. So I don't want it to be zero, but I wouldn't mind it being a little bit less uh, and dialing that back a bit. Um, and then there were some things uh, from a concern standpoint, the linebacker depth was probably the biggest one uh, to be in a position where, you know, we're not really sure. It sounds like we avoided the worst case scenario with Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano. Uh, but that was certainly concerning as the game was going, watching them coming off the field. Yeah, and I think you could also see that, and I think we all know this, we're not the same team without Tremaine Edmonds or Matt Milano. Having either of them sitting out is a huge problem, and obviously missing both of them in the exact same game is an even bigger problem. But yeah, like you mentioned, I think we likely dodged a bullet there. Um, so hopefully they're you know healthy and they're okay and they're able to play this week. I just want to say I love that phrase, Dropping the ball on the carpet. I'm definitely going to use that in the future. I've, I haven't heard that one before, but I like it. Yeah, it's just it's too important. You can't you can't put it out there, and they don't play on grass anymore anyway. So it, it's closer to carpet than it is to grass. It's true. It's true. It probably rubs on the knees a little bit too much. Um, I just obviously we've talked about now a little bit, not in too much in depth, but at least a little bit on the matchup last week. But what I really want to focus is on is now the you know the week at hand the game at hand which is the Miami Dolphins. Now most people I think would say the Bills are a pretty heavy favorite, but I think that there's still a small minority that sees some potential with Miami, specifically with Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, obviously he hasn't played yet, but I think there's a lot of hype around him and what he might be able to accomplish. So I guess I want to hear what you have to say regarding this matchup. And then we can also dive into quarterback play and, and what we should expect to see from Ryan Fitzpatrick. So um, I, I do think we're going to see Ryan Fitzpatrick. I do think this is probably the last time the Bills are going to see Ryan Fitzpatrick, um, probably in his career. I think this is probably the last game we're going to see him starting. By the time we get to the last game of the season, I will be shocked if they're not starting Tua by then. So the Bills have pretty much the biggest split possible. They're not going to pull a 180 and flip and put Tua in there next week. But if you look at their opening schedule, they open up Patriots, Bills, Jags. Jags aren't anything special. But uh, Patriots, Bills, Jags, then Seahawks, 49ers. That's a really rough slate of defenses. Once you get past there, you still have another chunk in Broncos, Chargers, Rams. Three, again, pretty good defenses. But at that point, you reach the midpoint of their season. After that, listen to these defenses they play. Cardinals, Jets, Jets, Bengals, Chiefs, Raiders. It's a lot more reasonable. So my guess is you see them go about halfway with Tua, and then you get into a lot nicer stretch of the schedule. You have the bye week in there. Um, I have a feeling somewhere around that Cardinals game or one of the Jets games, we're going to see Tua, and then my guess is we see him for about a six to eight game spread over the rest of the season. Yeah, I think that makes sense. You don't want to throw him into a situation that's not going to be successful, and I know the Bills didn't have that luxury, but with with Josh Allen being that I think they had plans to have him sit for his first season and he couldn't. And, you know, I think some would argue now that maybe that actually helped him. It put him through some tough situations. But I think I agree with you. If you can avoid putting him into a situation like that, it would probably be better for his development. You don't really want to hinder his development or really impact his, his confidence. But for the game at hand, do we think the Bills are going to win? And more importantly, is there anything that we see in Miami that could truly provide some sort of difficulty for the Bills? And I know I want to just mention Ryan Fitzpatrick did not have a good game against the Patriots. And I think that there's an argument to be made that the Bills defense is potentially better than the Patriots. So 
if Fitzpatrick struggled so much against the Patriots, can we see the same sort of scenario happening against the Bills? Um, I, I think it's very reasonable because I, I think you're spot on. I think that the Patriots have a good defense and the Bills defense is even better. So getting to that point um, where you know Fitzpatrick had 191 yards, nothing deep, nothing long. They never got anything going over the top. Uh, 27 carries for 87 yards. Um, I think that's the kind of game we're looking at here. I don't expect the Dolphins to get a ton going. I think it would take... Uh, some turnovers. Uh, it would take some big special teams plays. It would take a pick six or a fumble return or a special teams touchdown. Um, I think the Bills are a better team. I don't think it's as big of a talent gap as it was with the Jets. Uh, the Jets are a bottom three team in the NFL in my eyes. The Dolphins are not. I think the Dolphins are going to win some games. I think they're a six, seven, eight win team, um, and they're going to hang in there. I think their coach is very good. Brian Flores is a good coach. That's why this game was within a score pretty much the entire game. Um, they lost 21-11, and that took a late touchdown. Um, so I think it's one of those games where I, I think it's going to be you know, a reasonably close game. I don't expect us to blow them out by any means, um, but I do think that it could, you know, be something that is very similar to what they had here. You know, they brought it back 14-11, and then the Patriots pulled away and kind of ended the game. Um, I, I think it's going to be the same kind of thing. I think the Bills are going to be there. I think they're going to win. They might barely cover, um, but I think that it's going to be a closer game than it was this week. And I think it will be nice to know that we should be able to run a little more successfully. Now, Josh Allen had an incredible game running against the Jets, who have a very good rush D, but we know with quarterback sneaks, it's a little different. But he also you know, managed to have designed runs and on broken plays run really well. And I think we're probably going to see a similar story against the Dolphins just based on what Cam Newton was able to do with them, you know, rushing over 70 yards, rushing for two touchdowns, um, you know, and I think the closest comparison for Josh Allen's running style is Cam Newton. So it's nice to know that, that we're probably going to see Allen rush well, but then again, it might you know, upset some of us, probably including yourself, which is that Allen's probably going to run a lot more than we would like him to. Um, but I think he's going to have quite a bit of success in that sense uh, against the Dolphins. But in this matchup, you know, it's probably going to be a tighter matchup. At, at least, you know, you like to think that um, that with the Dolphins potentially better lined up than the Jets, we're probably going to see a closer matchup. Um, looking at Josh Allen's stats from last week, can we expect something similar this week? You know, 300 plus yards passing, 50, 60 yards rushing, combining for three touchdowns. Is that something we should expect now? Um, well, I, I would say expecting his new career high as just the new standard that he does every week is, is not reasonable. He's not, you know, if he kept that pace, that you're talking about passing for 4,990 yards on the season. So anybody who expects that, I have some wonderful property I'd like to sell you. Come talk to me. Um, if you expect him to now be a better passer than last year and take a sizable step forward, yeah, I think that we're going to see that. Um, if you want to take last week as a comparison, Cam Newton ran the ball 15 times for 75 yards and two touchdowns against the Dolphins, but he passed 15 of 19 for 155. So the Patriots, like the Bills, are a matchup-specific offense. They're not a team that, oh, this is the way we play, we're going to do it no matter what. They try to take advantage of what the defense has to offer. The def the Dolphins have a really good secondary. They have two of the highest paid cornerbacks in the NFL and a first round pick as their nickelback. Um, and they have good safety play. So when you look at that, you know, opening up five wide and trying to just gun them down is not probably the best case scenario. The Patriots as a whole ran the ball 42 times for 217 yards and three touchdowns. I don't expect that to be drastically different. I expect to be more more rushes than passes this this week. Cam Newton led the Patriots in rushing attempts and yards. I kind of hope that's not the case. I hope that we get more carries out of uh, Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. I think Devin Singletary and Zach Moss are both better than any running back on the Patriots. Um, 
but I think that any fan who's expecting the designed run plays to just go away because Josh Allen fumbled twice are going to be in for a sore awake a rude awakening on Sunday because they're going to run the ball with Josh Moore because obviously it's effective. Uh, Cam Newton tore him up. And I personally think it's exciting to hear that take from you that the bills are going to make adjustments and, you know, we hope that that's what the Bills are and that they play based on who they're playing and they don't stick to the same script no matter what. And it's nice to hear that because I do want to see what we have in Zach Moss and Devin Singletary as a one-two punch. We obviously didn't really get to see that in the first game. And it would be nice to see that. And more importantly, it would be nice to know that we have the ability to run a lot or pass a lot because Josh Allen threw for, I believe it was 46 times. And I don't know if he's ever thrown that much in his career. So that's obviously something that we haven't seen before. And we don't necessarily need him to do that every game. But it's nice to know if he does have to do it, that he can. But I would like to see that our running backs can do the same. That if we need them to run it 30, 40 times, they can. But we don't necessarily need them to do that in every single matchup. So yeah, you make a you make a very valid point, which is the Dolphin secondary is pretty strong and the Jets secondary was very weak. So we took advantage of it and now we need to take advantage of the Dolphins weaknesses. And I think that McDermott really, and although he's not controlling the offense, he is he runs a very organized team that prides themselves in being prepared for every single unique opponent. And I think that we've seen that in the past. And I think that we're probably going to see that moving forward, which is like you had mentioned, we're going to see a lot more runs this week rather than throws. And for some of us that are concerned about Allen's fumbles, yeah, we, we might see more this game. Hopefully they're not lost fumbles, but more importantly, Allen is not going to back off, you know, as a fan for the last, I don't know how many years I've seen Bill's players get scared at quarterback they make a couple mistakes and they stop playing hard or they stop throwing the ball or they stop running and that's not something we want to see and it's not something that Allen has shown to do he has shown that he is unfazed that if he fumbles it he'll come out the next drive and he's not afraid to run and continue to take hits if he throws an interception he's not afraid to come out in the next drive and still sling the ball so I think that those are really good traits. I think that he's got to learn from his mistakes, but those are really good traits to see. Um, My really last question is, now obviously, yes, we might not see Josh Allen produce those same numbers every week. (laughs) Like you mentioned, those are career highs. But more importantly, did you think he had a very good game? We've heard so many people, and, and I think too many people, really bash on him and saying that it wasn't a good game and there were a lot of inaccurate passes. And I'm looking at the stats and I'm seeing a 71.7% completion rate. And I'm seeing three touchdowns, 300 plus yards passing, you know, and like I mentioned, almost another 60 yards rushing. To me, that's an incredible game. Yes, there's some concerns, but I guess I'm hoping to hear if, if you feel the same as I do or if you're with some of those other fans. No, it's it's absolutely crazy. And I think that there's several folks who have made this point, so I don't want to make it up as though it's my own, but I agree. People who watch the Bills and watch only the Bills play sometimes don't have a great frame of reference of what the rest of football looks like. Or they don't watch it, you know, with the same level of scrutiny of, you know, getting frustrated when things happen in, in a certain way. And now you flip that around and any pass that goes off is now a horrible thing. And that they they think that accuracy means a quarterback makes every single throw on target. And if that's the rule, then there's no accurate quarterbacks in the entire NFL. Because no quarterback makes every throw on target. It's just not possible. Patrick Mahomes and Drew Brees and some of the most accurate quarterbacks in history, none of them make every single throw on target. Um, So a lot of Bills fans have now started sending around bad passes from other quarterbacks, you know, kind of taunting that, being like, hey, look, they make dumb things happen too. And it's it's just silly to think that just because there was a bad pass or two, and there were, um, the miss to John Brown in the end zone, you can't miss that. He was wide open. Nobody was even near him. Um, the 29-yard pass to Cole Beasley, if he puts that in stride while, while Cole Beasley's running, it's a 60-yard touchdown instead of a 29-yard catch. 
Um, there's several of those that he just can't make. He he can't mess those up. He tried to force one into Stefan Diggs down at the goal line. Um, those are passes that need to be better. But I just ran it off three. He also had six or seven phenomenal passes. The one that he spun out from the pocket uh, and then hit John Brown on the comeback route uh, while, on, while he was on the run. The one that he arched it and dropped it in the bucket to Stefan Diggs on off play action. Just several really, really good throws. And there was way more good than there was bad. He threw for 312 yards with 72% completion percentage and no turnover and no uh, interceptions. That's a great passing day. Um, he ran the ball for 59 yards and a touchdown. I wish he didn't fumble twice, but there was way more good than there was bad. So um, is it a perfect game? No. If you're expecting him to have a perfect game before you ever acknowledge that he's okay or did a good job, then you're never going to be happy. Yeah, I think that that makes perfect sense. If if you expect him to have a perfect game, then you will never see that. He's never going to have a perfect game. So I like that take. And for those of you listening, you know, if you don't think Allen is the right guy, at least watch it with an open mind. Be objective. And and like Greg brings up a really valid point. Yes, Josh Allen made some poor throws. Yes, he could have been better. But if he's throwing more good balls than bad, then that's good enough. That is a good quarterback. And if he can consistently do that, then I don't think we need to keep having this conversation. Greg and I don't need to speak about this because there won't be stuff all over Twitter talking about how terrible Josh Allen is. And I had this argument with my family after the game because my brothers and my dad All were saying, oh, Josh Allen's pathetic. How could he miss that John Brown in the end zone? And my argument was, firstly, like Greg mentioned, Patrick Mahomes has made a very similar error previously in his career. Tom Brady literally did it last night. Yeah, same thing, exact same thing. And people say Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback of all time, and he might be, but but no one's ripping on him when he makes that poor throw. So I think that there's a lot of this bias where people have an idea of who or what Josh Allen is as a quarterback and they refuse to see it objectively. And, and I think just Greg really nailed that one. Just, he was better than poor, you know, he was better at times and he had times where he wasn't good, but for the most part he played well and he made plenty of good passes and it should be noted his touch pass has improved significantly. You talk about the touch pass he made where he dropped it in the bucket for Stefan Diggs. That was a beautiful pass. That was something that Allen could not do two years ago. And he did it infrequently last year. So he's definitely improving and his touch is improving. And yeah, if he hit Cole Beasley on stride, yeah, it would have been awesome. But he's going to make mistakes, but he's never going to be perfect. So for everyone listening you got to just take him as he is. He's showing that he's progressing. He's showing that he's improving. There isn't a lot more you can ask. And more importantly, we won the game, right? Like, Greg, what we want to do here is win. Does anything else really matter? Yeah, it's hysterical when people get worked up. And you want to know what? That's actually the most encouraging sign of this fan base is that this team has gotten good enough where now we can be frustrated and complaining while we win. That's actually a great sign. Yeah, it's true. It's amazing. For the first time, we have to pick apart a team and find anything wrong, even when we're winning and winning handedly. So, yeah, it's 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 a valid point. That's how you know you're moving in the right direction. But um, yeah, Greg, I, I appreciate you coming on. I think that covers pretty much everything we wanted to cover. Uh, for those of you who, again, don't remember, but this is Greg Tomset. He is part of Cover One. You can check him out at CoverOne.net. You can also check him out on Twitter. More importantly, he has a podcast for Cover One where he talks about the Buffalo Bills and He really breaks things down way more than I do. He understands cap situations as well. So if you're looking into salary type stuff, he's definitely the guy to look up and and read up on. But Greg, thank you so much again for coming on. We really appreciate it. We definitely want to have you on again because I think you bring something that I don't bring, which is incredible knowledge. So I, I really, really appreciate you coming on for this episode. 
No, you're very kind. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Looking forward to uh, a fun Bills season. Go Bills. from the future telling you that your dream is going to come true what no way yeah you're going to have an awesome podcast called let's talk but no politics okay and new episodes come out every sunday on PSAP radio network it is your favorite girl that's right it's the ali mars the one and the only everyone else just ain't me I am the host of Welcome to Mars, a lifestyle podcast where nothing is off the table. I have come a long way from sex and dating and have transformed the new vibe to all things lifestyle. We still talk sex, but I'm more interested in the journey, where people have come from, how they made it, and where they're going. Subscribe or follow to a brand new look and a brand new era. Welcome to Mars. Subscribe or follow on Apple, Spotify, Google, or at theallymars.com. Because even with the new look, I'm still that same bitch you love to hate. Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon.